Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. My name is Paul Fagan, and I'm here with Jody Fisher. Hey, Jody, how are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing well. Fantastic. This podcast is for all the dads out there who struggle with life's topics as they're related to family and finances. Our hope is that we can provide our thoughts, successes, and mistakes and share them with all of you. Today's topic is an interesting one. We're going to focus on financial tools and applications. I have a coworker, uh, which I'm going to I'm going to call out his name, Hunter. Thank you for the uh, prompt uh, prompting to do this podcast. I was out to dinner with Hunter. He's a colleague of mine, and he was talking to me about financial tools and applications. I mentioned to him that I do a podcast with a buddy of mine. He said this is the topic I want to hear more about. He uses a product called YouNeedABudget.com. We're not plugging them, but hey, if uh, YouNeedABudget.com happens to hear this, we're, we're welcome to uh, for sponsorship. Um, he was telling me he uses this tool for a particular set of reasons, um, security, ease of use, all the normal things that we want in a financial tool. Um, so he'd like to hear more about financial tools. So uh, this week, we're going to dig deep into financial tools and applications. Um, the other prompting for this conversation is around a recent phone upgrade that I had to do. I had to switch iPhones to the latest version. That's a whole other podcast episode in itself, but I had to upgrade. And the ripple effect is that my old copy of Intuit's Quicken no longer will work on the latest Macintosh operating system. And because of that, I need to find a new tool to use because Quicken now only offers an online offering, which means all my financial data will sit on their platform and not in my hands anymore. Right? So, so that's why uh, this is a very timely podcast for me. Uh, to give you a little bit of how my current situation is, um, I'm an old Quicken uh, guy and a spreadsheet guy. Um, I like my data local and offline, and I use it as a checks and balances against the online banking. So I'm technical and I like the high touch and I like the high technology that's available uh, online now, but I also like to mix it with my old school uh, methodologies. Uh, before computers, I, I'm dating myself, uh, Jody. I used to use a checkbook, uh, used to write paper checks and I had a paper ledger and you used to have to balance a checkbook. And, and for those of you out there that have no clue what I'm talking about, just Google it and look up uh, paper check writing and paper check registry, and you'll find out how it was Google, done in the yeah, old days. Google old bank guys, and you'll find Paul and mine's photos, right? That's right. That's right. Standing so, in front of the teller with our checkbook. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I enjoy the benefits of online banking, especially bill pay and check deposit. I rarely have to write a check. I rarely have to go to a bank. I rarely have to use stamps. It's great. It allows me to pay bills fast, to pay them quickly, etc. Um, these mobile apps are key, especially for quick access to data on the run, right? And so all these tools in aggregate help me have great control over my financial life, which gives me comfort. And I love that tight control. Those local tools help me uh, trust but verify the data, right? So checks and balances are in place. So because I found banking errors with the with the systems, I'll log into my bank and I'll check it against my check register and they've transposed a number wrong. And they're usually small errors, but I do find them. So I like yeah, having my own set errors. of data. That's what gets you. That was the whole plot of office space. <laughs> that's right. 
That's right. Small errors, one penny at a time. <laughs> That's how they get you. So, so you know, for me, it all it all kind of worked. I did test drive a product called Mint. Was one of the first online offerings, and I tested it with one account. But I did not like the fact that it held my data. And we'll get into the whole data privacy and all the other different pieces as we go through the topics. So I'll kind of table that for now. And I've I've spoken a lot here, but in short. I do like my electronic tools. I'm a, I do like my spreadsheets. I do like having my local data sets. But Jody, I will uh, hand it off to you. What is your current situation when it comes to tech tools and financial tools and apps? Yeah, Paul, I think you and I have a, a similar perspective on this whole thing. It's kind of a balanced one, you know, one foot in each world. I mean, I, I'm a tech fanboy. I love tech. I feel like I feel like we live in the world today that I wanted to live in when I was like 10 or 12 years old and, you know, watching Star Wars and that kind of stuff, uh, reading comic books. Um, you know, we have all these tools at our disposal today, whether it's on your phone or whether it's on your computer, wherever it is that make managing your money extraordinarily convenient. And we joked about the old days of the checkbook and the going to the bank and, you know, withdrawing your money from the teller. But that's for those of you who have not been alive as long as Paul and I have been alive, that's the way things used to be. There were no ATMs. There were no phones. There was no, you know, snap a picture of your check and deposit it in your checking account. You took a paper check. You went to the bank. You signed the back of it. You gave it to the teller. They ran it through a machine and they put the money in your account. Or you said, hi, I'd like to withdraw. You pulled out a piece of paper and filled out a, 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 a withdrawal slip. And you had a passbook account. The teller gave you money. So, I mean, it was extraordinarily um, low tech. There's another word for it. But, um, uh, you know, it was there was, it was almost no tech. Right. It was people and paper back and forth and back and forth. So it was very slow, very methodical. Um, but what wasn't missing from then, which I think is still not missing from today, is that you had to pay attention to every last little number. And we joked there about, you know, penny at a time and finding errors, Paul. But um but you, you still have to do that today. Um, and, and so we, we live in this terrific tech world um, that can make all this really convenient. But, and, and, but you need to find the tools, like you said, Paul, that, that are right for you, that can help you win with money. Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll harp on my, my theme over and over and over again, being more intentional with your money, whether you take the micro approach that I do or the macro approach that Paul does, you have to be intentional and methodical with your money um like you said you know my first bank account too was the paper checkbook and the whole thing today i i use a, a whole suite of bank apps you know my main bank app i have another bank that holds my mortgage i have a couple other banks with some other accounts in other places and things and then you've got all these kind of apps you know that let you pay whether it's ut your utility bill your phone bill your this your that or whatever um the main i think thing i think we're both trying to say here is that you've got to look around the landscape and find the combination of things that work for you. Um, I still have all, my budget is still in a good old Excel spreadsheet. Um, and I update it and I save it and it's there. And that is the, is the path that informs me to um, what I need my accounts to do. So I use the Excel spreadsheet as the, as the map. Um, and that's the guide to the financial execution that I do. And then I make those accounts do what I tell them to do, whether it's depositing money, paying a bill, m moving money over to savings, whatever. It's all 
in the spreadsheet and then it's trans uh, manually transpose it over to each of those apps to tell each of those banking apps what to do. Um, and so long as they match up and I'm methodical with that and intentional with that, I end up winning with, uh, with my money or at least, you know, doing the things I want my money to do. That makes sense. That makes sense. And for me, I'm a big spreadsheet person myself. I think I talked about this on a previous podcast. I learned uh, a while ago, I saw a friend had this great spreadsheet that he had put together for his family. And it was almost set up like a dashboard. So you bring it up on the screen and it had all these little sub-calculators in the spreadsheet. And for those of you who are not familiar with spreadsheet technology, um, you could Google it and check it out. But it really is powerful what you can do. So, for example, in my family spreadsheet, I have uh, several tabs. I think there's about uh, about 13 tabs, 12, 13 tabs in my spreadsheet. The first tab is where I enter all the balances manually from the different online accounts that we have. And then it will ripple effect through the spreadsheet and auto-calc different calculators for me. So, for example, the budget. I have a calculation of where I stand in terms of what my budget looks like. I have a, a college projections, which we talked about on a previous podcast, where I keep in there what my contributions are, sort of like my college savings thermometer, so I can keep track of how I'm doing with college savings, similar to 401ks and uh, TSP accounts. Um, I also have a uh, tab just for how am I doing. Uh, Susie Orman used to have this great uh, segment on her show, How Am I Doing? And I mimicked that tab in my spreadsheet where it, here's all your assets, here are all your liabilities, here's what you owe and, and, and all your assets, what your home's worth, etc. And it comes out with your net worth, which is powerful, right? And, and it gives me that comfort level. So I will just do all my numbers in the rest of the, you know, in the, in the entry sheet and then go to that tab and I can see where I stand at any given point in time. There's also other little things I keep in there, like uh, gift cards. The family gets a lot of gift cards. I track the gift cards in a spreadsheet, so I know what, where, how much they are, and for what places. So we could quickly see, hey, do we have a do we have a gift card for that? I could look very quickly, and I try to keep that inventory up to date. Now that's kind of going to almost to the neurotic side, right? But I do I do maintain the gift card registry, if you want to call it that. And then I have spreadsheets for financial goals, and I used to have another tab in there for paying down the mortgage, which thankfully I don't use that tab anymore, um, but it was in the old one. So I could quickly see where I stand with how much I owe left on the mortgage. So I should probably delete that tab out of my spreadsheet, but I like to keep it there, Jody. I like to just keep nah, it there. Yeah, for... what you should do with that spreadsheet is, is transfer it or, or change it over into a, like a running counter of how many weeks or months or how many payments you haven't had to make to that point. <laughs> that's that would be a fun that would be a fun one to have yeah that's probably something i should probably check out and do in my spare time so i've rambled a lot about the spreadsheet but we're going to jump into some of the topics right so why are we talking about these pieces today right so we talked about the benefits of apps um, there's also calculators out there which we've talked about whether they're applications that run on your phone websites we talked about one recently for predicting your college costs for your kids um, so those are always important to have, right? So calculators on the web, mortgage calculators, auto loan calculators. What are your thoughts on using those calculators and those and, and other benefits surrounding those applications? I think the calculators are great. I think they can help a lot, um, especially when you're, you know, I've, I've changed over the years, whenever I've changed the job, 
um, I've gone to a calculator that sits on a, on a website called Paycheck City. Um, and that's a pretty accurate, within a couple dollars and even sometimes pennies, uh, of, of what uh, your, your new job paycheck could or would or should be. Um, so if you're changing jobs um, or if you're considering changing jobs or even if you're considering changing um, or maybe you're trying to figure out, you know, how much, how, much should, uh, how much will I take home after a particular salary or how much do I need to make in order to bring home this much, paycheckcity.com is, is a great website. And again, uh, not, not a sponsor, but Paycheck City, if you're listening, we'll take your money. Um, apps, just jumping back to apps real quick. Uh, Paul, I think you, you, you said what I was going to say as well, which is I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of apps that need me to give my account information over to them, to a third party, because I don't know where that money, I don't know where that information is going. And the thought that's always in my mind, I'm a little paranoid when it comes to this stuff. Um, what happens to my data when I give it to a third party app and then that third party app goes away? Where's my where does my data end up? It ends up somewhere. It's in a it's in a sp spreadsheet somewhere in somebody's computer or cloud or country. Um, the the thing I do whenever I'm checking out a new app is I always look at who wrote the app. Um, I try to figure out you know is it is it a large, hopefully reputable company or is it like you know you know Bob's apps. You know, it got written in some basement somewhere. And don't get me wrong, great apps get written in basements, but I'm not sure I want to give my routing number to to Bob's apps. Um, so that that's where I land on the apps. Um, but I think uh, you you got to watch out for for things like that. You got to watch out for data breaches. You gotta you gotta check your accounts every day, um, and, and just be careful with with whatever you use online, whether it's a calculator uh, or whether it's an app. Yeah, I think the data breach and risks is a, is a hot topic, right? Data privacy. So the the youneedabudget.com is a pay-for service. Uh, one of the things to watch out for is if it's a free service like Mint, um, there's really no – they tell you that there's there's a an, uh, an agreement, but you're really not paying for that service, right? So when you're not paying for something, you have to expect what you – you get what you pay for. So there are companies out there like Quicken and youneedabudget.com who will charge you a yearly fee. And as part of that yearly fee, there is a level of responsibility that is probably more enhanced than you would get from a service that provides it to you for free. And I think that given everything going on today, the data that we have out there, whether it's our credit data, social security numbers, all those different pieces, they're, they're sort of floating out there in the World Wide Web anyway. So, uh, but I still agree with the fact that I try to minimize the risk of putting my data out there uh, on my own, right? And I always equate it to, and this is an analogy, I don't, don't ask me where this analogy came from, but if I go into an outhouse and I open the door and there's a swarm of bees in the outhouse and I go run across the field and I still get stung, well, I've, I've tried to, I've try, I've minim, I tried to minimize my risk exposure, but if I open up that door with all the bees swarming around and I decide to go in and use the outhouse and I get stung a bunch, that's on me. That is a brutal analogy. It's brutal. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's what it's about, well, right? Like, so I think it comes it. down to it, is right? your data is out there. So you want to do your best to protect your data. There's only a certain amount of control you have. So, you know, I don't want to give more data if I don't have to. I want to keep less data out there. 
So that Absolutely. being said, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. For me, right. I do use the online services. I do use these pieces. I'm still not completely sold on online storage of all my accounts and aggregation of all my account numbers and logins into one tool. Even they, even though they say it's very, very secure. And now this is a hot topic. If you talk to a lot of friends of mine who are super technical, they're going to talk to you about, you know, 128-bit, 256-bit encryption. They're going to talk about the security. They're going to talk about the firewalling. They're going to talk about the data cleanliness. And they're going to talk about all the different parameters that are out there. And I totally can't dispute any of it. In reality, there are a lot of secure, safe ways to store your data out there in on the web. And companies are utilizing those different types of technology. For me, it's not so much around using a tool that is online. It's more about a checks and balances approach. So that's why I like having my data local on my machine in a spreadsheet, in a local financial copy of a program like Quicken, my old copy of Quicken. Um, if Quicken's listening, please go back to let me have a local copy because I'm about <laughs> to switch. I know my, my $29.95 is going to uh, kill your bottom line, but I am going to switch to a company that has a local piece of software that allows me to run it on my Macintosh locally. All my data is stored locally along with my spreadsheet. And I can make any, you know, and I could do those checks and balances against the company. I do want to do one side note uh, to plug my favorite all-time piece of software that I found out there on the web was with the Mortgage Professor. So if you Google mortgageprofessor.com, that was the site that gave me my mortgage paydown calculator, which is amazing. And I've talked about this on a previous podcast where it allows you to prepay any extra amount of money per month. And it will automatically give you almost to the penny how much you owe. And it keeps your mortgage provider, your mortgage servicer in checks and balances as well. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, sort of the, uh, the idea around the apps versus the spreadsheets. So I know that we talked about the spreadsheet. So how come at this point, even like local apps like a Quicken or some of these other local applications, what do you see as the advantage of having the spreadsheet over having an application? I know I have my thoughts in mind, Jody, but why not try to plug all your data into an application that sits local on your computer as opposed to having it in a spreadsheet? Well, I think, number one, uh, I think the spreadsheet sheet can be a lot more dynamic. It can be designed exactly the way you need to design it. And, and let's be clear, like we've been saying here, everybody's financial picture is unique. And everybody's inclination to do this is unique. Some people want to get incredibly detailed like me. And I could probably get even more detailed, but I'll, you know, I'll stop where I am. Um, I've got, you know, probably 60 or 70 different budget lines, maybe even 100 budget lines in my in my spreadsheet. Um, you know, I like being that detailed. Some people only need like the big picture stuff or they only want to do the big picture stuff. And actually, if you rewind the clock 10 years on me, I only had about 10 or 12 budget lines on my spreadsheet and it's evolved over time. Um, so number one, by designing your own spreadsheet or your own personal budget, you are getting involved to the degree that you want to get involved and allowing yourself to grow as opposed to using somebody else's template. So I'm always a fan of, you know, custom design. So that's, that's what I do. Um, also, like you said, I think that 
the, the privacy, you know, beats everything. Um, you know, when I logged on to one of those, uh, one of those, um, budget apps, the first thing it wanted me to do was connect my checking account. I'm like, wait, I just put in my email address. Now you're asking me for my checking account. No, thanks. I was out. So I'm just going to keep everything local. Uh, I'm going to use the proprietary apps of the different banking institutions, you know, to, to transact and do those things. Those are the only people who need my, my routing numbers, uh, and my checking account, you know, my account numbers. Um, so that, that I think is, it's really about customization and, and having the customization meet your inclination. I think that's where you need to start with, with good budgeting. Hey, Jody, I'm going to switch topics a little bit now and talk about bill pay. Uh, my view on bill pay is I love it. It works really good for me. Uh, it's another financial tool. So it, I think it's, it's good that we talk about it today. Um, I don't do anything with auto-drafting. There are some levels of, of auto-drafting. What I mean by that is where the company allow, you allow the company to pull money from your checking account to pay bills, whether it's for your utility company or for a car loan or a mortgage company. Um, I prefer to be the one in control. So I get the bill, I look at the bill, I log in, I pay the bill through the um, my bank's website, and then I go into Quicken and I track that transaction and when I get my statements every month from my bank, I do my reconciliation from my statements to my data in my Quicken account. And I'm always in sync. Yep. Uh, not Same wood. Here. I'm Same always here. in no, sync. No auto drafts. Yeah, no except auto drafts. For, except for subscriptions, you know, like a, like a, you know, a, a magazine or, a, you know, something like that, you know, 1995 or 2995. Do not give people, and you'll hear lots of financial experts say this. Do not give anybody auto draft to your checking account because if you are behind in a bill or if they decide that you owe them more money, they'll just go in and take it. Yep. And there's one caveat to that. And now that you brought that up, I do allow auto draft uh, to my credit card because that I could dispute and it won't screw with my financials, my day to day financials. It won't. So when you say that, explain that a little bit, Paul. So for me, Insurance companies, life insurance, I believe my auto insurance, my cable bill, they allow for me to pay my bill monthly with my credit card. So I allow them to hit my credit card, but I won't allow oh, that, them to hit my different. checking account. That's di- yeah, that's different, right? That's different. Yeah. Um, than than giving than giving uh, access to your checking or any other account where money sits in it. Yeah. Right. Right, because and, and with a credit card, you could dispute it. It's it's not, you know, because my fear is they, like you just said, Jody, they hit the account and they take something out, which leaves a ripple effect. If there's not enough money in that account and they take too much and another bill right behind it is trying to get paid and then that transaction bounces, now there's fees involved. And that goes to another, another topic when it comes to all this high-tech technology is the hidden cost and fees. Now, we've had a whole podcast dedicated to this in the past. Oh, God, we're referencing a lot of old podcasts today. I guess we're really trying to plug the platform. But we're anyway, on podcast 21 here. We're going to have some overlap. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we, we've hit some pretty decent milestones here. But it really is interesting because those hidden fees will get you, especially with online activity. If you Google and you look at fees and hidden fees and transaction fees, you'd be astonished at what 
a lot of companies make on fees. So for me, it comes down to making sure that I have complete control over digital bill pay. I don't want anyone reaching into my money, into my pocket. I'll pull my wallet out when necessary and pay a bill, but I don't want companies going in and fishing around the back pocket to pull the wallet out to take my money. So Jody, what are your, what's your view on hidden costs and fees and, and limits on act, online activity and such? Yeah, I've, I had that story that I've told a couple of times, I think about uh, you know making too many transfers, not withdrawals, but transfers from a savings account to a, a checking account linked inside of the same financial institution, uh, making you know too many too many transfers from one account to another inside a 30-day period and having the savings account automatically shut down what I was told by the bank, quote unquote, because of federal law. I have no freaking idea what this federal, stupid federal law is, but I've literally had this happen to me twice. Um, and you go into the bank and you give them that WTF thing and they, they go, oh, it's no problem. We'll just open you a new savings account. We'll transfer the money over. It's like, what are you talking about? That's so stupid. Um, but enormously inconvenient. Um, same thing with the, um, uh, whenever you're depositing money, um, you know, watch out if there's some kind of little, you know, 75 cent, uh, deposit fee because you used your phone or something like that. And all banks have all their different rules. Um, but just watch out for the, the trip wires of the, of the convenience of using these apps and using, you know, the electronic transfers and all that kind of stuff. Um, because it can trip you up. Another thing that, that I've experienced, Paul, you talk about sort of one bill getting drafted and then another one hitting and there's not enough money to pay it. Um, uh, I've experienced this as well, where you set up a whole bunch of bills to get paid in a certain day. And depending on the order in which they get paid out, if you have a big bill in there at the tail end of something and there's not enough money in that account to pay that big bill, it won't get paid, but it'll also get stuck and you won't be able to tr cancel it until you transfer enough money into the account and sort of, you know, unblock the dam, so to speak. Um, and allow that auto auto payment to to transfer out or pay out or do whatever it's supposed to do. So make sure that when you're doing all of these um, electronic setups and transfers and everything's that you're you're in control and you you fo you you focus on the order in which they're going to get paid out and making sure that the system that's driving the stuff doesn't mess up what you're trying to accomplish. You know, that, that makes sense. And for me, um, I go back to this. I'm thankful and grateful enough that I've been able to build enough money up in the checking account to kind of have a little bit of liquidity. So I don't have to worry about that typically with bill pay. But that's also what allows me to have that flexibility. But because I have local copies of my financial tools versus what's online, I can see ahead of time and have a snapshot of what is truly in the account. Because there are certain things I still have to pay for by check. One of them is uh, my real estate taxes. I still pay those by check. And because I pay those by check, the government, by the time I put, a, you know, put the check into an envelope, mail it, put a stamp on it, goes in the mail, they receive it on their end, they process it. It could be a week, right, or longer. So what the local copy allows me to do is to keep track of what I've spent because online that money still looks like it's there. 
but I know in my own personal tracking it's not. So it really allows me to have that complete control. My local copy of my financial data is the final word in my finances. And it yeah. allows me to not miss something along the way, which is very key, right? And that that's the way I kind of manage everything in aggregate is making sure that I have that local copy in order to make sure I could see everything across the landscape in my financial picture at any given point in time. But that takes work. As you know, I'm putting time in, you're putting time in. But the reality is everyone listening to this podcast is probably putting at least 40 hours a week working outside the home, trying to keep their family going. Um, and, and to spend an extra hour per week making sure that your money is where it's supposed to be or less, it's probably less than an hour, right? Maybe a half hour to do those checks and balances. I think it's more, it's well worth it because you worked hard for that money and you should be protecting that money. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Jody, but I know I spend an inordinate amount of time in the numbers. I know you do, but that's my feeling on it. It's a small percentage of my life to make sure that things are running smoothly financially. Now, I completely agree. I check my accounts every day for fraud um, just to make sure that there isn't anything funny going on. Um, and I've had in the last week, you know, sidebar, a couple of these strange hits to my account from my bank. It says something like bank credit, $15. I'm like, what the hell is a bank credit? Um, and then the next day it goes away. And I'm like, what the hell? What, what is with these people? So I actually, that prompts me to want to go over to my bank this morning and find out what's going on. But um, point being, I check my accounts every day. I update my spreadsheets every day. It's become part of my life. It takes me 10, 15, not even 10 minutes in the morning, um, 10 minutes in the afternoon, bang, done. Um, it's always updated. I always know what what's going on. I always know where I'm going to have a little less money, have a little more money. I know where my money's going. It's just it's this micro approach that I take. And it's this customized, unique, you know, customized approach to, to what I do. And I think that's what you're driving at, too, Paul, is that no matter what you do, you need to customize your plan to you. Um, nobody else's app is going to work for you in the way you need to do it. So you want to use apps, you want to use electronic and online. It's wonderful. It's terrifically convenient. Just make sure that it's fulfilling your needs. Don't don't modify your financial picture to suit somebody else's app. That makes sense. Complete sense. And I'm going to hit upon one more topic that I want to talk about that's related to financial tools, which is available today that wasn't available years ago. And that's the concept of auto saving with 401ks and your retirement plans. It's it's been inherent that it, they take a certain amount out of your paycheck. It gets transferred electronically to your investment account for your 401k. Um, similarly, similarly for savings. Uh, outside of retirement, there's an opportunity usually to use these tools to take money out of your paycheck um, and send it directly to a savings account or to take money on a periodic basis out of your checking account and move it over to your savings account. Um, I know that personally I do that. So out of a certain amount of uh, money that comes into the household, a certain amount goes into savings. I do it manually. Once again, I throttle those transfers so I don't let it happen automatically because if I need the money for something else that month it doesn't necessarily go there or if I want to put more money towards savings that month I have the ability to do so but I keep control over that so every month I look at the numbers and if we could put a certain amount more away or less away I do that auto transfer over 
um, or I shouldn't say auto transfer. I do that electronic transfer. So I don't not big on the auto transfer. I'm big on the electronic transfer. What are your thoughts on on savings and auto saving? Yeah, absolutely. And and we have uh, uh, I do an auto draft out of the out of the paycheck every week for uh, a 401k through work. Um, I also do as part of our budget. This steps off of the apps conversation, but as part of our budget, I have a savings line for a couple different savings lines. Uh, money that is part of our weekly budget that simply goes into a savings account. Um, one for each of the kids, one for the household. Um, and that's just money that gets set aside on a regular basis. It's not a ton, uh, but at the end of the year, it ends up being a few thousand dollars. And that goes towards the different things that uh, we need throughout the year. Um, I, I imagine that I could set that up through an app if I used an app, but I do have it sort of set up as an automatic payment in my uh, through my bank online and I can you know log on to my bank and I can and I can see it online very well that's a very I mean like I said before everyone has their own different way of doing things and that works for you guys uh, my way works for my family so I think to kind of jump into the summary recap um, in short my opinion and my humble opinion use what is comfortable for you and your family whatever lets you have the most control and gives you that ease of use is what you should go for. So if you're an online person and you wanna use these online tools like Mint or um, these other online trackers for budgeting or controlling your money and you're comfortable with that, go ahead, right? I think the biggest takeaway is you have to have something. There should be some level of tool use financially that allows you to have control over your money, whether it's online, local tools on your computer, whatever that is, a spreadsheet, if it's still an old fashioned check register, if it's paper and a notebook, whatever it is, what you wanna do from a financial tooling perspective is have tools in place that help you control your money so it doesn't control you. Jody, what is your takeaway from in your summary recap? Uh, agree, uh, completely agreed on all those. Customize what you're doing with your apps. If an app doesn't do what you need it to do, don't use it. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even pay for an app, frankly, uh, unless it did exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, but no matter what you're using online, whether you're on your bank website, whether you're on an app, whatever you're doing, protect your data. Um, like we talked about, you know, your data is out there to begin with, and that's just the world we live in. Don't, to make the analogy you made, Paul, don't step into the outhouse full of bees on purpose. <laughs> um, you know, protect your data. Don't give your data away. Uh, and watch out for the hidden fees or, or just the limits on your activity. You know, don't get hung up in any kind of way um, paying for, whether it's money or anything else, paying for limits on your activity using some form of electronic or app-based or web-based platform. Um, you, you just, you can't afford to fritter money away, you know, a dollar at a time because this convenience fee or that convenience fee or this charge because you made too many transfers. Just pay attention to it. Don't do it. Very well said. Thank you, Jody. Um, well, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, 
but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. Thank <laughs> you.